think. Act and prosper. You are now tuned into the Money Level Show. Hello, welcome back to the Money Level Show. It is Daryl Dominic. And today we're going to get into some juicy topics. But before we get into those topics, I wanted to share a few things. I'm going to be doing some contests on some of my items that I am actually working on getting developed. My guy Locke, he's working on a water bottle for me uh, with the Money Level Show logo inside of it. Uh, engraved inside of it and things like that. So I'm going to be doing some giveaways. I'm going to give away some commodities uh, such as silver, uh, things of that nature. And so I want you guys to tap in with my social medias. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Money Level Show, or you can follow me on Facebook at The Money Level Show. So I look forward to hearing from you all as I do these contests and do these free giveaways because I want to get more engagement with this podcast. I have been getting some of my friends uh, contacted me and really being impacted by what has been said, but I'm trying to get these numbers up. So if you're sharing these podcasts and all of those different things, that would be great and very helpful as we continue to grow in different money levels. And then we also continue to educate people financially. So today I'm going to talk about a few different things the poor mentality, side hustling, and also the compound effect. So in regards to poor mentality, some of you know my story, some of you may not, but I grew up in Oklahoma City. I grew up on the east side where we were surrounded by the Crips and all of those different things that was their neighborhood. So I grew up in a lot of poverty around a lot of violence and things of that nature. And my mother was a single mother raising five kids. My three older sisters had three different dads and me and my younger sister had the same dad, but my mother was raising us all alone. Uh, she was hardly getting any support from our fathers in regards to child support. Uh, she took on the load. She worked full time. She worked hard to take care of us. I think that my mother had to handle this a lot on her own and, and that's how I grew up. And so when growing up, I only knew that my mother had a job. I didn't know anything about college. I didn't have people pursuing me about college or anything like that. Uh, even coming out of high school, I didn't know anything about college. Uh, I had no mentors coaching me about it or anything like that. But most importantly, I didn't know anything about money or finances. And what I've noticed is that even with some of my friends who may be uh, white or whatnot, a lot of times their families are passing down certain knowledge to them and things like that. My mother didn't have this knowledge to pass down to me. And so therefore I grew up with a poor mentality. So I spent a lot of money on stuff I didn't need, buying Jordans. You know, I had a gold grill at one point. You know, uh, I was just buying a lot of stuff that I didn't need. I didn't know how to save money. You know, I was taking on student loan debt so I can go buy superficial things. I didn't know how to invest I didn't know how to get out of debt or how bad debt was or anything like that. And so this was how I grew up for a while. I had a poor mentality. And then my friend Nate, he introduced me to Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey. And this was like years later. And I began to just be awakened to like, oh, wow, I'm in bad shape. You know, this is what I've been doing. These are the habits that I built, you know, since a kid. And now I'm just now learning about money. You know, I believe I was 27 or 28 at the time. That was, you know, really eye opening to me and shocking. And so I began to really dive deep into that and to eventually become a 
Financial Peace University instructor. And so I began to instruct for them and uh, teach at my church and things of that nature. And and it was good. You know, I believe in a lot of the concepts that Dave Ramsey teaches. However, I do believe Dave Ramsey is more for the middle class uh, kind of person or a person that may be lower class. Um, people that are okay and that are content with you know, working a nine to five, you know, getting out of debt and just living a normal life. And you can become wealthy that way too. Don't get me wrong. Don't think that I'm, uh, you know, bashing that or anything like that. That is for some people. But for me, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm thinking about, you know, wealth and how I can pass that down now. And so when I had a poor mentality, I didn't think about how I could pass down, uh, you know, wealth to my kids or anything like that. But now I'm thinking about that. And I know that working a nine to five, I cannot pass a nine to five salary down to my kids. Yeah, kids can receive, you know, support through, um, you know, whether it's your retirement or whether it's your life insurance or whatever. They can receive support through that. But I want to pass down to my kids some income producing assets. Right. So whether that's real estate, bringing in real estate income, a, a passive income check to to my household or whatnot when I pass away. So I want to have income producing assets that I want to pass down to my kids. That could be stocks as well, or that could be a business. So this poor mentality, it really hurt me a lot. You know, it hurt me financially. It put me in a bad situation. And so I began to really just try to think, how can I make it out of this? How can I make it out of this? And so one one really good piece of a book that I read, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki talks about the poor mentality, thinking like, I can't afford it. You know, so you have uh, bills, expenses, and all these different things, and you have something that you desire, and you tell yourself, I can't afford it. I can't, I can't do it. You know, my check is already depleted, and I can't do it. I can't afford it, and you just give up. So that, that is a symptom of a poor mentality. And I say that because you are not challenging yourself to think instead of I can't afford it, how can I afford this? Making that minor shift in the question to say, how can I afford this? Whether that's paying off your debts, going on a vacation, or maybe you want to buy a new car, things like that. So we have to ask ourselves, how can I afford this? And for me personally, like, you know, I work a nine to five right now. And so I have to budget out my money. But then also there's certain things that come up that I'm like, okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. My music, you know, I do music as well. I do this podcast. I had to buy, for, I had to buy my graphics, my logos, you know, I have to get my site set up, my website. Um, I'm trying to buy some, some gear and all those different types of things, merchandise and uh, so that I can be sure to provide that to you guys, you know, and this stuff costs a lot of money. This stuff ain't free. And when you're working a nine to five and you don't get paid as much, then you have to figure out how can I afford this? So when I say that I'm stuck with two options, I can either put my dreams on the shelf, you know, because I have to take care of my kids, my family, and just kind of stick to the program. Or I can stretch myself to think, how can I afford this? and take my dreams off the shelf and actually continue to pursue them and being able to afford them. So this brings me into side hustles. So there's a lot of different side hustles out there that people don't think about. And I didn't think about a lot of them either, but I began to think about them, you know, in the past couple of years, I started a company with my wife. We do photography and video. And that was one 
part of, you know, thinking outside the box and, you know, I began to build a solid clientele base and things like that. So that was like, okay, extra income on the side. I mean, however, it still caused me to trade my time for money and I'm trying to get out of that, that loophole or that rat race of trading my time for money, but it brought extra money in. Other things I've done is I've worked side part-time jobs. I remember working at a halfway house. I would work throughout the week from nine to five. And then on Friday nights, I would go in at 11 o'clock and get out at seven o'clock, repeat the same thing, go in Saturday night at 11 o'clock, get out at seven o'clock in the morning. And I was working a lot of hours. We work a lot of hours and we're trading time for money and we're losing time with our families when we do that. So that was kind of how I did it at first. So then I started picking up little side hustles such as Instacart, DoorDash, where you're actually an independent contractor and you get paid for by the job. You get paid by the order, things like that. You can pick it up whenever you want to. You can put it down whenever you want to. You can be like, okay, I need to work and make a little extra cash. Okay, I'm not going to do that today because I'm tired and I already been working all week. So those were some things that I actually pushed myself to do. Some other things I did was utilizing my creative talents to start a Patreon account and to get people that love my music and that support me uh, to be able to donate monthly to be able to support what I'm doing and to keep that going and to also help build that up. So that's another thing that I've been doing that's kind of been helping taking care of some of my expenses that come with music. So there's a lot of different ways that you can come up with so that you can afford what you need to do. You can't afford your dreams. You can't afford what you want to do. You just have to stick to the process. And a lot of that comes with self-discipline. It comes with not being lazy. It comes with budgeting and it comes with getting out there and getting on that hustle. So along the lines of the poor mentality, I want to talk a little bit about the wealth inequality gap. And so when I talk about this, you guys, I'm not socialist. Uh, I probably identify more with being a capitalist, but a free market capitalist, not what we're seeing today. Um, but, you know, I, I do identify with some pieces of socialism, but I'm not fully on board. I'm not extreme one way or the other. But I want to talk a little bit about this. So in 1982, you had the 0.01% who were had about 600 million. And you had the 1% who had about 210 million. You know, then in 2009, the 0.1% went up to about 7.4 billion on average. And then the 1% went up to about 2.1 billion on average. So now in regards to race, we look at home ownership. So home ownership to me is important. I'm a homeowner. I just became a homeowner about um, a year ago, year and a half ago. And I enjoy it. It's a lot of work. It's a little more expensive, but I enjoy being able to have the have my own space and not have to abide by certain rules. But there are certain conditions where I wish I was a renter. And so there's pros and cons to both, depending on your goals and depending on what you're trying to do. So in regards to home ownership. So the bottom 90 percent of the population owns about 55 percent of the homes, the top nine percent owns about 31% of the homes. And the top 1% owns about 13% of the homes. Okay, so there we see that at the bottom, we technically own most of the homes, 
you know, by owning 55%, but you also have a huge percentage for the 9%, which is 31% of the homes, and then the 1% owning 13% of the homes. Now, let's go over to stocks, stocks and mutual funds. So the bottom 90% of the U.S. population owns 11.9% of the stocks. Okay, that is very little. The 9% of the U.S. population owns 33.9% of the stocks. So they own a lot more stocks than the bottom uh, 90% of the U.S. population. Then you have the 1% of the U.S. population that owns 54% of the stocks, stocks and mutual funds. So that, those are some huge gaps. And I'm not saying these are huge gaps because of systemic problems. If it is systemic, I believe that this systemic issue is on the schools because the schools are not teaching us how to uh, manage our finances, how to invest, how to not get in the rat race of becoming an employee, but how do we actually own our own businesses and how do we actually invest and make our money work for us? The schools aren't teaching us this type of stuff. And so th that is a systemic problem right there. But however, a lot of it is the mentality as well. You know, so like we can't just blame it all on the system and say that we don't have our own responsibility, um, you know, because if we have a poor mentality, we're not going to think about buying stocks. You know, we're not going to think about that. So I'm going to come back to that here in just a second. I have a few more statistics from um, from this website. I believe it's called inequality.org. Um, and I got a lot of these statistics from there. So now we have the total debt. So the total debt, the bottom 90 percent of the U.S. population own about 75.3% of the national debt, okay? This is personal debt that's on your Social Security card, okay? Your Social Security number. So the bottom 90% owns 75% of the U.S. debt, and we're in a lot of debt. I mean, consumer debt's at $14.1 You know, some of this is also government debt and government deficit spending and us spending money that we don't collect through taxation and all of those different things. But the bottom 90% own 75% of the debt. All right. So you think about the middle class, going to college, student loans, uh, you know, credit cards, uh, car loans, all of these different things, saver loans up in the hoods and pawn shops, whatever it may be where collections are calling your phone and threatening you and all that type of stuff. The bottom 90% owns 75% of consumer debt. The 9% owns 20% of that debt. Then you have the 1% who owns 4.6% of that debt. So we see that the 1%, they're definitely up top. You know, on the bottom, we have a lot of debt. So we're taking on a lot of debt. And some of us may have to. Some of us may be like, hey, well, I need to take on debt because I need a car and my car broke down and I don't have the money to, to get it because I only make 15 bucks an hour and blah, blah, blah. You know, I can understand situations like that. But at the same time, we have a personal responsibility to budget, build an emergency fund, stop spending money that we don't have and to actually invest, you know, invest money. So now coming into a race and inequality, you know, we have whites that own 41 times more wealth than blacks. Whites own 41 times more wealth than blacks. Whites also own 22 times more wealth than Latinos. 22 times more wealth than Latinos. 
So when you think about that, you're like, okay, well, there's obviously a huge systemic problem when you're talking about this. Yes, I believe there is. I believe that history does play a piece in that. Um, but I also think that the personal responsibility um, plays an impact as well, because, you know, if we're willing to, you know, go on welfare or stay on welfare, you know, and not push ourselves to get uh, better and beyond, then, you know, of course, there's going to be a wealth inequality gap, you know, and I'm not saying that welfare is bad. I grew up on welfare. I do think that it's necessary. I mean, I had food stamps as an adult. I do think that is necessary, especially during this pandemic as well. However, if you continue to stay content with that and you don't push yourself, then you're not going to close in on this gap. Now, home ownership. Let's look at this. So for black people in 1983, we owned 44.3% of homes. We didn't own 44% of homes in the U.S. It's 44% of black people own homes. So 44.3% of black people own homes in 1983. 2016, we went down slightly to 44% of black people owning homes. So you mean to tell me in the last 30 years, we haven't bossed up, went out and got properties and things like that. So, you know, it makes me ask, like, what are we doing? You know, and our personal responsibility that we have, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing? And we can't just blame it on the system and things like that. Like I've had systemic racism towards me and things like that, but I've overcame it because I was able to go out and find whether that was liberal people that give me opportunities or whatever it may be. I've been able to get out and do that, you know, but for 30 years, our home ownership has not increased. Our home ownership has not increased in 30 years. It's actually decreased 0.3%. Now let's look at the Latinos. So in 1983, 32.6% of Latinos owned homes. Now in 2016, 45.4% of Latinos own homes. So the Latinos in the last 30 years went up 13% in home ownership. So what did they do? You know, they're people of color too. So if they're experiencing systemic racism, it obviously isn't keeping them down in that situation. So we have to really think of that stuff like there's situations where we have to boss up, take responsibility and be able to go out here and get homes, you know, get on this hustle, get on these side hustles, get out of debt, stop taking on debt, stop buying the J's, whatever it may be, we may need to do in order so that we can boss up and really live out the true wealth. You know, having a, a platinum chain with the grill and stuff like that, that's not necessarily wealth unless you know the value that that necklace has, you know, which a lot of people don't, they just hear gold and silver and all this stuff. And a lot of times they're getting 10 to 14 K and stuff like that. They're not getting the 22 carat that's in like India where they get the real, real gold, you know, but we have to think, okay, do I want to look flashy for somebody, which I used to do. I used to look flashy for people and, you know, want to, want to impress people and all these different things. But to be honest right now, I'm like, I really don't care. I'm like, Hey, you know, I may look like a bum right now, but I'm putting money into the stock market. I'm putting money into gold and silver. I'm putting money into cryptocurrencies. And so you have to think about that. And when you're thinking about these side hustles and things of that nature, you know, that's a way that you can invest. So instead of saying I can't afford it, how can I afford it? 
And so, and also educating yourself. Like, you know, I, I was just recently talking to a friend that you can actually buy partial shares of a company. You know, we used to think like, oh, well, I can't afford Amazon because it's $2,000. Well, actually, if you have an extra hundred bucks, you can buy a partial share of that company. Same thing with Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin is 13,000 right now. You can own partial share of Bitcoin. So you have to think about that type of stuff. We have to educate ourselves on that and quit making excuses saying that we can't afford it and actually think about how can we afford that? How can we afford this? Now, back to the school system, you know, I believe that the school system needs to teach us these types of things. And I kind of went through history a little bit, um, you know, back on my previous podcast is College a Waste of Money. But, you know, in 1902, the General Education Board was developed by the big bankers, J.P. Morgan, Rockefeller and some other people. I forgot their names. However, they came together to give money to schools to educate people on how to become workers. You know, so they taught them trades and all these different things. And, yeah, it's important to know trades like you can know trades and like build your own business and things like that. Don't get me wrong. But they weren't given the secrets to like how they built their wealth. You know what I'm saying? How they built their wealth and like, okay, how do you own a business? How do you use the tax code so that you don't have to pay as much taxes, you know, and things like that. So they weren't giving that type of information out. They were teaching us how to become workers, you know, which puts us in this system of working nine to five, trading our time for money, uh, becoming a slave to the system and all those different things. You know, I began to learn a little about like how we're so caught up in our work how we're so caught up and bogged down by our work and having to make money and make do and pay the bills that we don't even think to challenge like the Federal Reserve or challenge like these monetary and fiscal policies that are actually making it harder on us and contributing to this wealth inequality gap. You know, the Federal Reserve, every time they print money to buy treasuries from the U.S. government, they are inflating asset prices. So you see right now, even in the economy, we saw the stock market reach crazy highs, crazy highs this year. And we have a pandemic and we have millions of people unemployed and we have millions of businesses going out of business. So how is that possible? The Federal Reserve is actually printing money. They don't actually print like how they used to. They go in the computer and change the digits and they buy treasuries from the U.S. government. The U.S. government guarantees to pay the debt back on with interest. So that's how we're 27 trillion in debt. However, whenever they do this, this inflates asset prices. They're bailing out companies that shouldn't be bailed out. So that's not a part of capitalism. Free market capitalism is like if you're if you're a poorly run company and you have a lot of debt and you made bad choices, then you deserve to fall. Right. So that's not capitalism. So the Federal Reserve are bailing out airlines. They're bailing out, you know, all these different companies and. They're inflating the asset prices. So who owns assets? We just went over the numbers and stocks. You know, the 1% own how many of the stocks? You know, they own a lot. So that is how the wealth inequality gap is growing because these asset prices are increasing. The homes are increasing in price and the poor don't own assets. People that are poor don't own assets. And so that is why this gap is continuously increasing because of the system that we have with monetary and fiscal policies and them bailing out the rich. Now, whew, I need to get a little breath after that, how to pop my neck and stuff. You know, you guys, I'm fired up about this. So what can we do? I think about 
this book I'm reading called The Compound Effect. And it talks about how every little action compounds on each other in your habits. So let's say you build the habit of buying a coffee five bucks a day, you know, and you do that um, every day of the week, every work day of the week. So you do that 20 times. And at the end of the month, you know, you have an expense of about, what is that? $100. So you're spending $100 on coffee. So that habit that you built is costing you um, $1,200 a year. And you're spending $100 a month on coffees. So now imagine if you change that habit and you actually started investing $5 a day into the stock market. You started buying shares of a company, whether that's that company is cheap or whether that company is expensive. Or you're buying a partial share or you're putting it in cryptocurrencies um, and you're putting five dollars a day in that. So then you're building one hundred dollars a month in investments that are making you money that are hopefully going up in price and making you money. And then at the end of the month, you invested a total of twelve hundred. But you may actually have extra from the assets going up. So you may have, uh, you know, fifteen hundred. Let's say your your portfolio went up three hundred dollars for the year. So instead of taking twelve hundred dollars out of your pocket, you actually gained uh, three hundred dollars, and you didn't spend the twelve hundred, you know, on something that just went to the wayside that just came out when you urinated, you know. So when you think of that, that's how the compound effect works. Some of you may have heard about uh, give me a penny a day doubled. Uh, argument and how that equals at the end of the at the end of the month and how much money you may have and millions of dollars and all those different things. So when we think about the compound effect, our actions and our habits actually influence, you know, where we are with our money. And so this is the money level show. So some of us may have the poor mentality, but I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to build you up so that you can join this journey with me to build wealth to build wealth and to protect our assets and to protect our money and protect our wealth from the government. So that's how the compound effect works. So let's say you get a side hustle and, you know, sometimes I take this approach, like I'll do Instacart. You know, yesterday I did a $9 order for one item, you know, and I was tired. I was like, oh, I don't really feel like doing this, you know. But I was like, it's one item and the store is not too far from me. So I went ahead and did it. I went ahead and did that one item order for nine bucks, dropped it off, and I put that money straight in the market. You know, I put it in the market and I put it in cryptocurrencies because their market is open 24-7, like 7-Eleven. And that's what I did. You know, I was like, okay, well, I'm not worried about what people think. People may be like, oh, dang, that's not a lot of money, nine bucks. You know, but, you know, for me, like, I think about it like, Hey, well, this nine bucks I'm going to put in the market. This is an extra nine dollars that I didn't have in cryptocurrency or have in partial shares of, of a stock. So I challenged myself to do that. You know, I challenged myself to do that. It's like, OK, right now I'm just sitting on my butt. And I'm not doing anything. Why not go and make this nine bucks and put this in the stock market so that it can work for me and so that it can compound for me? You know, and imagine building that habit. You're sitting on your butt and you're like, okay, I'm not doing anything, but you may have an order pop up, you know, and even with Instacart, like 
you have different types of orders. Some orders may be 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks. I've done $90 orders and things like that. You know, I, I think about that and I'm like, okay, let me put this in the market. You know, let me put some of this in the market. Let me put, let me buy some gold and silver with some of this. Okay. I'm able to take care of some extra things. Now I can afford this, you know, so that changes my mentality when I do things like that. So research what kind of side hustles you can do and get on the hustle, get on the hustle. Okay. Get on the hustle and let this compound for you. Let this work for you. I encourage you all to do that. And I want to see some results, you guys. So be sure to email me at themoneylevelshow at gmail.com or, you know, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at moneylevelshow and I'm on Facebook at The Money Level Show. So I appreciate you all for tuning in today. And I hope that you all got a lot out of this. You know, I was really fired up today. I hope that you all share this as well. So y'all stay tuned for the next podcast and y'all have a blessed day.